does it think? What makes it move? Why does it breathe? Questions anyone would ask about a man if they'd never seen one before. So for five days, a man was borrowed. The story that Travis Walton and five other witnesses told was so unbelievable, so unimaginable, that it has become the most famous case of UFO abduction ever reported. Welcome to Definitely, Definitely First, First Blood. Blood. It's a horror podcast, and we <laughs> talk about movies from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and sometimes today. Rarely. Rarely today. Uh, can I just say, that was the longest we made into our intro before uh, I broke down in quite some time. <laughs> yeah, So I'm proud of us. Small steps, small yeah. steps. One day at a time. <laughs> so, uh, how how have you been? I, I can't really think of any exciting updates yeah. for me. I've been good. I like that we always ask this at the beginning when... We know that yeah. we can't think of anything. Well, I'm no, and the fact that we live together. So, it, yeah. it, it's not like we... Uh, this is a fr- we Sometimes we make it seem like this is the first yeah. time we're talking to each other in like a week. And I work from home for half the day yeah, as well. So. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's, yeah, and so, <laughs> I guess. I don't think anything interesting has happened. I got no, to it's see, honestly been a pretty boring week. I got I to think. see the dog that I dog sat again. Chloe? Yeah, she's very sweet still. Still killing it yeah. in the game. Still being awesome. Nothing really changed in that regard, I guess. When you're already at the top, you got nowhere else to go. <laughs> Uh, and I don't foresee her going down anytime soon. Oh. And let me just make that very clear. So it's bye bye bye. Yeah. Like the stock market. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> oh, like bye. I see. I thought it was like bye bye bye, like the the song by Instinct. Oh <laughs> no. Okay. No. I wish I no. did have that stuck in my head earlier today. But... Ah, comes full circle. That's a callback, folks, to our earlier podcasts. Uh, morning talk no we don't have anyways what what cinematic marvel are we talking about this week well you know i do we are talking about uh fire in the sky from 1993 yeah it's a paramount pictures presents about alien abduction yeah based on true events which i'll talk about later yeah alien abduction not my favorite thing yeah, you're really afraid of, like, interdimensional beings. Yeah, and, like, I'm glad that aliens. when I was a kid, it was aliens that really scared me, though, and that I didn't read any, like, Lovecraft or anything. Because, like, when I was a teen and I watched the Mothman Prophecies, that really scared the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, you said when we did the Mothman Prophecies yeah. that it freaked you out. And to my mind, aliens are just a species of 
Mothman style cryptid <laughs> where it's like they have crazy powers, they can do stuff that you can't. Mm-hmm. They 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 torture you and then they they let you on your way. They they are your subject to their whims. <laughs> Not it's very scary. I don't like it. And I hated it in this movie too. So yeah. it's great. I don't know. I I guess we could start talking about it. This movie is it has good parts. Oh yeah, like the scary to me anyways the scary parts are very mm-hmm. scary and the set design for the alien ship was very interesting mm-hmm. i think especially like the storage area very gross yeah it was um, very interesting I yeah thought. yeah um but it also had other parts that were very dramatic and yeah <laughs> not, like overly dramatic yeah like uh the music man or something Mm -hmm. or um uh to kill a mockingbird yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's sort of like grand american courtroom scenes people making a lot of like monologues and stuff people making impassioned speeches Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well would you like to uh jump on it yeah let's let's get sucked up by its amazing tractor beam so this 1993 fire in the sky we open on slowly increasing lights yeah backdrop of a forest it's like blue light and there's smoke coming up because there's always smoke in forests always and always uh, we see the lights of a truck come up through the blue And and it's driving very recklessly yeah i wrote carelessly but i and it's also erratic though because it like slams into a tree drives once it finally finds its home which is the road not the forest (laughs) they almost cause an accident they like plow right into like a truck yeah and it runs it off the road so it's like that sucks but anyways (laughs) they pull up to uh the diner yeah and the engine is smoking and they all get out and now it's like four guys all of them just from their gate you can sort of tell that they're they're not having a good yeah, time no, they just they don't acknowledge anything they just walk right in past everyone and there's that like good old boy out on the front patio yeah. who's trying to talk to them yeah you know and smoking he, like, cigars them. at night on on the patio mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know what the south is like i have no idea arizona <laughs> least of all uh, so they, one of the guys who we later find out, I believe is Dallas is mm-hmm. just like, stick to the story. Sorry. It's not Dallas. It's Mike. He just says, stick to the story. Uh, and that's it. We'll stick to the story. Yeah. And so then no matter how rough it gets, we've got to stick to the story. Yeah. And then he goes to make a phone call. Yeah. And like, he completely ignores the dude at the bar. Who's like saying hi to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he dials zero and then it cuts to the that detective guy yeah the lieutenant uh frank waters is getting walkied on his like car thing Mm -hmm. or whatever it's just as he sees like the track lights of the rail like the rail crossing lights go down on his car so while he's getting it you're you think that it's like a ufo yeah like oh my god and he sort of looks up at it and wonder which maybe he's never seen a railroad crossing before (laughs) in which case good for him for getting another experience ticked off his list i think it's like 
it was kind of to show how it can be tricked into seeing something like ah, UFO. Yes, that's true. That's true. But it had like a logical answer. So I think it was, there was a couple times through the movie where they did stuff like that. Yeah. And anyways, this detective dude is called to uh, the diner. Yep. Because the mm-hmm. sheriff's having a hard time with, with an interesting case. So he finally gets there and uh, there there's a huge crowd around the truck. Yeah, everyone's investigating the truck. Dennis, get these folks out. Come on, folks. Give them some room. Restaurant's closed for the night. And the sheriff introduces himself to the lieutenant, and he gives some, like, expositional line, Mm -hmm. like, uh, oh, you don't have any unsolved cases. Yeah, so apparently (laughs) this guy is some police hotshot. Yeah, he gives him... Famous amongst the police? I don't know. The sheriff gives Waters the lowdown on everybody and everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And then he brings him to go see the men in order for them to give their story. I think that... Uh, I think that maybe... Um, maybe you better hear this from the horse's mouth. Lead me to the horse. And uh, Dallas, who is wearing a weird headband thing. Yeah, and like a Vietnam-era army surplus jacket. He's being a jerk to the cop because the cop whips out a audio recorder and it freaks him out. He doesn't want to be recorded telling the story. Yeah. What in the hell is that thing for? It bother you? Yeah, it bothers me. I don't want any misinterpretations. This way, there's a clear record of everything you tell us. Well, we already told that Barney Fife of a deputy everything we know. I'll tell you, Frank. Clay wrote down everything. We'll use the recorder. A man with nothing to hide is a man with nothing to worry about. People with a clear, clear conscience shouldn't have anything to worry mm-hmm. about. This is yeah. when we first get uh, the suspicion cast at Dallas from the law enforcement. Oh, which yeah. Which recurs, obviously, throughout the whole thing. They ask the boys to, like, tell them about Travis. Yeah. And then it's like a... Mike's like he was my best friend, and then it's a weird cut, to like mm-hmm. a ding, 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 ding. and like as like it's always, the best day ever. Yeah, which I yeah. fucking hate. He's a fucking lovable scamp in this town. Yeah, he's got two kids who fucking love him, and his mm-hmm. wife seems well, maybe not. His kids love him. He's he's having a. It's like a great well, day for him. Yeah. Travis and Mike are different people, though, right? Like, it no, was definitely. Mike who had the kids in the... That's like, what I meant to say, yeah. Because okay. that's what we cut to. It's like Mike's domestic bliss at home. Mm-hmm. And then... I think maybe this might be part of the um, unreliable narrator narrative, though. Because, I mean, it's Mike telling it, and he's seeing Travis as this person who's this, like, whimsical little impish dude. And then he's seeing himself as this, like, perfect father and his wife is this like harpy i don't know i feel like it might be like some parts of this movie i feel like maybe are being presented as like um that they're unreliable narrators but Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know i don't want to give it too much and then uh we also this is intercut with like travis on his motorcycle uh behaving very recklessly to get donuts which mm-hmm. he then brings to Mike's sister. He's got like a little girl who uh, is stealing donuts from her family shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's she's sneaking them to Travis as he drives by. 
Mike is getting ready to head off to work, and we learned that he's having some marital problems. Yeah, because all of his, like, the future of his mortgage is tied up in this contract he's working on, this mysterious contract. Mm -hmm. And his wife is not happy about it. He heads off outside, and then he starts fixing his car when Mm -hmm. Travis rolls up and starts trying to like talk to him and cheer him up but mike's just being very despondent he's not answering oh yeah mike's and trying, mike's very dramatic and then travis pulls out this uh like shitty pencil crayon drawing of yeah. like yeah. oh here's our business yeah yeah it's uh m&t's motors prices so great our showrooms are always mt like empty but oh. it's mt <laughs> get it it's hilarious it is funny yeah mike (laughs) and then travis heads up the side of the house and uh brings the donuts to his Mm -hmm. sweetie mike's sister dana which at first i really did not realize that that was his sister who did you think it was i don't know like one of his kids or something oh not not like his little girls like he had like an older teen daughter and i was like he's not even that old i know that's why i was confused gotcha because it wasn't like right away at first. Man, you're Mike's daughter and I'm kissing you. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. He uh, wants to get married and she's kind of reserved about it. But yeah. then she agrees to talk about it and Mike is it's making him sick seeing all this PDA. So, mm-hmm. the two of them head off uh, to work and they drive to pick up the rest of our cast who are just throwing stones at mailboxes as you do i mean fuck the they're, they're kind scourges. of like a boy band there's like the the top yeah. edgy one mm-hmm. dallas the young one the innocent greg one, yeah. who's played by henry thomas elliot from et oh nice yeah. his face looked familiar <laughs> The, the the nerdy but attractive because yeah. he's approachable and super religious one david yeah. <laughs> The guy with the heart of gold, Travis. And then the cowboy guy isn't in the truck here, but he comes later, I guess. I honestly don't it's even magic. remember. Oh, Bobby. Bobby yeah. is his name. Bobby. <laughs> what was that from? I don't even know. I'm not sure either. Me neither. And this is where uh, it's sort of established that Dallas and Travis, uh, even though they both have names ending in S, do not like each other very much. Yeah, we learn that they have a little bit of a history with not getting along with each other. Mm-hmm. You you girls going to fight like this every day? Apparently so. <laughs> uh, and we get, once they get to the forest, yeah. it turns out that they are loggers. Everyone's chopping up trees like crazy. Yeah, we get a chainsaw montage. Yep. Everyone and, doing work, boys doing work. Yeah, including... Uh, Dallas wearing weird glasses and he cuts down a tree and it almost hits mm-hmm. Travis. Travis. Uh oh, that's yeah. not the logger's coat or whatever. To be super critical of this entire scene, it felt like the acting was so bad, especially from Travis, that it felt like you were watching a play. Oh, yeah, because he's like jumping up on yeah. stuff. We said we do a little fishing when the contract's over. When this contract's over, yeah. Come on, it's what we need, one of our camping trips. Some hunting, some fishing, chasing bears. Oh, yeah, I remember. You ran that bear up that tree. Just trying to make friends. How come you can't make friends with Dallas? Uh, he's just jealous I can do something he can't. Oh, yeah, what's that? Reading, right? So what do you say, man? A little R&R and then 
empty motors. You think I'm gonna let a flake let you marry my little sister? A flake from Snowflake. How poetic. I like that. Yeah, that's that's just my point. What's your point? You're a dreamer. You're not ready for marriage. Not if I gotta turn into you. Mike. Hey guys, so for the next 15 minutes or so, um, the audio gets kind of weird for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I wasn't able to fix it, but it does get better. So if you can hold out through that, that'd be awesome. Just wanted to let you guys know before. He's like a, he's like a devil may care scoundrel. Yeah, it's like watching someone act. Yeah, like, haha. Yeah. Yeah. Skipping up. Jumping on rocks. And then they... Being super animated. Like, he... Talking he, straight to camera. Yeah, he talks to Mike, and Mike's like, you're not ready to get married to my sister. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot of relationship exposition that yeah. they give all the time in this movie. Like, you you gotta to make it padded to be a yeah. normal <laughs> movie, I guess. I don't know. It was very strange. Now we cut back from... From like the logging scene back to the the diner, and there's this inter interlude with the cop, where I guess they basically just remind you that they're talking to the cop. Mm-hmm. The, the cops think that it's foul play for sure. They think that these guys like murdered Travis, and then Waters notices there's a cut on Dallas's, Dallas's hand. hand. Yeah, and they ask Dallas like what it was he says he cut it at work yeah just having fun yeah (laughs) you know as as you do when you're logging have fun i don't know they They ask him what the thing looked like that took travis and he says fire and just as he does that we get like a smash cut of a match striking oh yeah uh they're smoking in the back of the cab they're on their way home and it's already it's 20 minutes after dark they notice that there's uh like another smoky light like our opening credits mm-hmm. but red this time and they think it's a fire well they're yeah. they're having like a back and forth debate on if they think it's a fire or not it's a sunset no that's in the north the sunset was 20 minutes ago then they notice that it started moving ah and uh greg is very rightly like hey maybe let's not uh <laughs> investigate this good call greg uh, classic ufo uh the radio frequencies start going all haywire mm-hmm. and uh we see that there's like the light is getting pretty bright, and oh, Travis yeah. really wants to go investigate it. What the heck is going on here, Mike? Are you screwing around? No. Mike, maybe, maybe we ought to do like Greg says and just pull over for, for a minute. So. No, Mike, I want to see what it is. There's only one road out of here, and we're on it. That's a fire. We can't get around it. We're going to be spending the night out here. So they pull up, and it's like this pulsating ship in the sky. Oh, yeah. It's and sort it's of like very, a mushroom? Yeah. It's very nice here, too. Like, the the cinematography and everything. Yeah. Like, the framing is really good. And I like the, the use of the blue and red. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of, like, the... Which I guess it was kind of going for, like, Close Encounters of a Third Kind, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of vibe. That It's actually the same cinematographer as 
like a lot of stuff. So he did Army of Darkness, Clueless, all three Matrixes, Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver, The Jungle Book, The World's End. So he works with um, Sam Raimi and uh, Edgar Wright a lot. Can I be honest with you? The two that resonated most for me were like in terms of visual comparisons to this film Uh were uh, Clueless (laughs) and uh, the other space murder one i don't even know if matrix? there is one yeah the matrix space yeah. murder that's close yeah that's what i meant yeah those two it was like a hybrid of both of those yeah he also did the <laughs> music video for hold on we're going home by drake nice and also nasty by janet jackson and i think both of those have like a red and blue motif so i think it's interesting like a, a that's so interesting yeah that's actually so interesting <laughs> weird weird but so cool anyways i think greg again is like let's like let's turn back but travis has to get out because he really he needs to hop and skip and jump and get right underneath it it starts kicking up like the noise starts getting louder and it starts like pulsating more and more and more Mm -hmm. i thought this ship was more than acceptably scary like it was very spooky and it had this like red mist sort of coming down and like when you looked when travis was looking up at it it was like lava like red with black it was was very very scary organic and pretty i mean i guess other than i mean i say this now other than alien i can't really think of a whole bunch of very obvious like organic spaceships maybe like uh the the new uh mars whichever one where the martians attack earth but it's not mars attacks the one that orson wells did a radio play of war Uh, of the world the world yes independence day too they're like that's sort of organic-y but this i guess got the benefit of being before a lot of those things yes it was at, for the time, and I I don't know. I was really scared by those effects. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to be thinking about them later. <laughs> um, and there's like a classic alien white beam of light that beams down onto Travis. The guys are trying to get him to get back in, but then he gets hit by the light, mm-hmm. and then he like freezes up. And then it sort of hits him again and he like flies back and he's there's like smoke coming out of his mouth like he they all think he's dead rightly so i am ho so they take off because they're obviously like super terrified and then mike stops the truck after getting i would say a safe distance away yeah i guess maybe not if it's a spaceship but um they 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 don't know yeah he wants to go back for travis um but the rest of them understandably and smartly do not want to go back but mike says he's gonna go back no matter what Mm -hmm. so either they can like get out of the car or and he leaves them there Mm -hmm. all arms akimbo uh, as he speeds back off towards Alien Central. Yeah. Uh, but there's n- there ain't nothing there. Yeah. We don't get to see him go investigate. No. But when he comes back, he says that he went back and searched, but couldn't find anything. They took him. I guess they want to maintain some ambiguity, like, oh, maybe Mike went back and, like, mm-hmm. like made out with them and then <laughs> hit him in the back of a truck yeah, or true. something. I don't know. That that was honestly probably the thought. Like, I think you're supposed to also have your doubts because 
you're maybe getting it from unreliable narrators. Oh my god, how mad would you be if that's <laughs> what it was? I would be so pissed if well, it turned out yeah. that it was all a hoax. The lieutenant Ugh. at Mr. Waters still doesn't believe them, and uh, they all swear to it, though. Like, and they all agree that it, they saw what they saw. And they all look fucked up. Like, I mean, I guess oh, yeah. it could be because they murdered the guy, <laughs> but like, they all look so fucked up, like gray. <laughs> Tough guy Dallas uh, knows that the cops don't buy the story, mm-hmm. and uh, the sheriff says that in the morning they're going to give their best with like the dogs mm-hmm. and helicopters, blah blah blah, uh, while he and the lieutenant are investigating at Mike's truck. And the lieutenant finds like a national national inquirer, weekly world news, and the top thing is Nebraska man abducted by aliens. Yeah, and he's like, oh well, this <laughs> settles it. That this is how they came up with it. They murdered him, and then they decided to use this completely implausible story that no one would ever believe <laughs> to cover it up. Genius, genius, and like they really hammer home. Like Mike is like local good dad a plus everyone loves everyone loves good old mike so it's super weird that he would be doing anything like Mm -hmm. this like i don't know but then again someone telling you our friend was abducted by aliens is pretty unbelievable so i don't blame them for sure for sure which is like it's a very it starts off as a very kafka-esque horror like where it's like no one believes me but this definitely happened Mm -hmm. i'm already a victim and now i'm being victimized by the system the people who are supposed to help me everyone who's supposed to love me uh cats that i've had in the past (laughs) anyways uh finally mike gets home and only to look forlornly at travis's motorcycle and then he goes inside where his wife and his sister are upset inside. Yeah, because the story has already gotten out and the whole town, like everybody knows about what they're saying and that Travis is missing. Mm-hmm. So his sister starts asking Mike why uh, he didn't go back for him. Mm-hmm. You left him there? I don't know where he is, Dana. What do you mean you don't know where he is? Just what I said. Well, how could you just leave him out there? The radio was saying something about outer space. I didn't just leave him. And yeah, there there was something out there, Kate. I I don't understand. Out there? Is Travis gone? They're going to send out a search party for him tomorrow. Where is he, Mike? Where is he, Mike? Where is he, Mike? Mike? It's okay. It's going to be okay. And then we see that David, our nerdy but approachable guy, Mm -hmm. is praying for forgiveness in a church very ominously yeah and we get to see like a stained glass where uh jesus christ himself son of god appears to be getting a laser beam from the heavens (laughs) from aliens only he knows 
Anyways, that was your Jesus corner for today. <laughs> the next day, the search is underway, mm-hmm. and they've got tons of people. Just like the sheriff said, there's like helicopters, dogs. Yeah, it's a whole search montage of the sheriff acting tough, people walking in the search line. Uh-huh. Travis's brother uh, yeah. shows up, and he confronts Mike about, oh, what the hell did you do to my brother? Yeah. He thinks that Dallas is the one who at this time quote killed Mm -hmm. travis Mm -hmm. and he's gonna hold mike personally responsible if anything happens to my little bro (laughs) yeah definitely dude for some reason i mean i guess it makes sense but if they were suspects i don't understand why they would let them help with the search but all of the guys are helping with the search and uh the two like the religious guy david Mm -hmm. and bobby the cowboy guy yeah yeah uh who's honestly like a tertiary character he's not even really included in very much he's just there to round out the group they see something moving and there's like a mystical native american man yeah walking in the woods never comes back to never comes back into play completely out of nowhere for no reason and then uh then David's like, oh, there's a, that's the Apache reservation just yeah. over there. You, you're right there. Mm. I don't know. Very strange <laughs> inclusion. They end up finding a dog skeleton. Mm-hmm. Like, they find a skeleton, and then they think, oh, it's going to be human. But then it's just a, some hunter buried his dog. Yeah, and the lieutenant's, like, eagerly salivating, watching all the all the truck truck crew from the previous night standing right at the edge of this you know active investigation yeah uh and then it's just dogs ah foiled again by a dead dog how many times does that happen in your life though hundreds probably when we get back to mike's house he's still clearly extremely fucked up like he's gray in the face and his wife comes in and is like, wow, I can clearly see that you're upset. So now is the perfect time to start getting in on you on the fact that you lost your contract. How are we going to pay for the house? And also everyone in town hates me. Some guy from the ALI called today. They've taken you off the contract and hired a whole new crew. <laughs> you don't seem too surprised. I'm not. Well, why aren't you? What are we going to do for a paycheck next week? Look, I'll figure it out, all right? You know, I don't get this. My my best friend has disappeared. God knows where he is, and all you can think about is money. I'll tell you something else. People in this town are saying terrible things about you. Well, I don't care what they think. Well, I do. We live here. Our kids live here. Of course I care, and so should you. She does ultimately believe him, though, when he says that he didn't have anything to do with it. Or does she? she it's, I guess it's kind of unclear. But the drama in this movie is, like, pretty heavy when oh, yeah. it really comes to these monologues. Because she gives, like, a whole thing about, ah. Ugh. He yeah. heads off to a hotel for the night. Mm-hmm. And he tells the owner not to tell anybody that he's there, but... When he wakes up, the news crew is already there. Yeah, because they booked all the other rooms in the hotel. Also, the David guy is already in Mike's truck yeah, when like, Mike goes out. How did he know? Yeah. So it's almost like they 
I don't know. Can I just say that's the real mystery of this movie? <laughs> honestly, I sort of caught that too because in the earlier scene, uh, Travis and Mike go to pick up the other guys, but I only saw three guys. Yeah, the Bobby guy was not in the car. Like oh, the cowboy yeah, yeah, guy yeah, was yeah, not yeah. in the truck that's at the true. beginning. He wasn't in it until they started cover like cutting the trees down. That's fine. They just swapped them out <laughs> as the missing person. Okay. Uh, they go to a they're on their way to a diner when they are accosted by a wormy looking dude who presents himself as an aerial researcher yeah he's from afar mr whitlock i'm uh, jarvis powell from afar we uh got a lot of experience in these matters and i think we might be able to help each other out <clears throat> well uh we just wanted to let you know that there are those of us out there who know truth but mike is having none of it he gives them the same treatment he gave to the reporters and they go into this breakfasty sort of diner and everyone goes quiet and they're staring directly at him (laughs) which it's like a point of view shot too it's very unpleasant i can't imagine what we've been like in theaters judging our eyes some dude at the bar and david have a little bit of a scuffle but they are broken up when the lieutenant and the sheriff Mm -hmm. arrive to uh say that they want the the guys to do a lie detector test Mm -hmm. and they're all like oh well think about it because dallas isn't there the lieutenant asks to speak with mike outside though and when he gets out there he reveals oh yeah before the people show up, they're like talking about what they're gonna do amongst each other, mm-hmm. and the two dudes are like, "Oh, oh yeah. we're just gonna confess. Like we should just confess." Yeah, which was like a weird thing. Bobby I and Greg. Yeah, he says the lieutenant says he'll help us out if we if we just confess. <laughs> and it's like, what are you gonna say? What? How are you gonna explain the fact that there is no body? Exactly. Yeah. So when Mike goes outside with the <laughs> sheriff, the sheriff brings up that Greg told uh, the cops that the wound on Dallas's hand that he noticed mm-hmm. was from an altercation he had with Travis. So he asks Mike about that. And Mike yeah. like begrudgingly says, yeah, it is, which I don't know why they didn't, why they lied about that because they already talk about how they hated each other. Mm-hmm. Young Greg told us the truth about the cut on Dallas's hand. Wasn't a paper cut, was it? He had an altercation with Travis on the day of the disappearance. Isn't that true? I guess. You know, I think you're starting to get a pretty good feel for who I am, Rogers. I've been at this line of work for a long time. You know what's starting to bug me? I think maybe you didn't kill your friend. But for the life of me, I can't figure why you're covering up. I don't know. It seems like withholding that makes it even more suspicious. Mike says that he doesn't know where Dallas is, and uh, the cop heads off. But then when David comes out, he says he knows where Dallas is, and they're going to go talk to him. Yeah, you know where he is? He's playing poker at a 
trailer surrounded by defunct like tractors and shit yeah he's drinking and gambling he was the only white guy there (laughs) and like it's never explained how they knew he was there or anything another mystery they tell dallas that the cops think that he killed travis and they ask him if he's cool to take a lie detector test but he doesn't want to do it because he thinks no matter what, it's just going to be put on him because he's the guy with the criminal yeah. record. And can I just say, he's absolutely right. That's what happens with lie detector tests. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like it, they are dangerous because they're treated like they're objective, which is exactly how they were treated in this movie until they didn't <laughs> give them the results that they wanted. So scary. Mike and Dallas have a scuffle and then Dallas agrees that uh, he's going to take the lie detector test very begrudgingly but he does accept that he's going to do it and i love it because uh, mike's just like be there be there like where when like <laughs> very true <laughs> dallas is just a drifter how's he supposed like give him like some lay directions maybe i don't know the whole world is abuzz with news of this abduction we get to see it on many different uh, TV channels. Mm-hmm. The story has drawn international attention and the controversy surrounding Walton's disappearance has reached the boiling point with I've no sign of, of resolution. I'm going down there. In the four days Walton's been missing, newsmen... You sure you want to do that? ...from all over the world have descended on Sleepy Snowflake and the locals aren't pleased. Ray Melendez has more. The White Mountains. Apache legend tells of evil spirits which frequented this place dropping down from the sky to kidnap unsuspecting children. The five men in question still haven't spoken to the press. Law enforcement authorities are desperately trying to get to the bottom of this mystery. It's been four days now since Travis Walton disappeared without a trace. And the case is attracting major international attention. Law can't get them to talk. I know some folks damn well can. Fiercely conservative town. And through these TV reports, Mike learns that there is a whole town meeting going on at the local church. Across the street across from the, the street. <laughs> very, very conveniently. Like he's watching people stream it. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, you know, you saying that it's like a stage play, it is so much like a stage play. You're so right about that. It's a very stage play thing. Uh, and ba- the whole town is blaming the sheriff for the media circus, yeah. which I think is very unfair. And they've essentially just accepted that these guys killed uh, Travis and hit his body for some reason. And the sheriff is being like very frank. Like, there is absolutely zero evidence of any foul play at all we don't even know that he's dead and then that one guy is like well we all know what happened like we all have a pretty good idea mike is watching this all happen too yeah some more drama and he does some like grandstanding in the middle of the whole town meeting what are you saying george are you saying i killed travis walton you really disappoint me i went to school with you nate my Mary, she's in school with your kids. Jack, Larry, Mrs. Pratt, what are you doing? I miss Travis, just like you. I, I miss him bad. But I, I, I can't help what happened. I, I, 
I can't change what I saw. I wish I could. I wish, I wish we had him back. I, I wish I knew, I wish I knew he was okay. But that's out of my hands. And so is what you think of me. We've been telling you the truth since the beginning. And now we're ready to prove it. He calls them all out yeah. and says, you, oh, you know me. I baked you a pie. And you, you baked me a pie. It's a very cliche Ugh. scene. Uh, but again, very like stage play-y. I guess it was the 90s, early 90s. Sort of yeah. in this sort of movie, it still kind of <laughs> happened. I don't know. He says he misses Travis just as much as they all do because Travis was like BMOC, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he does like a huge monologue proclaiming his innocence and uh, then he accepts to do the lie detector test. In your face, Sheriff. Yeah, and I can't help what y- what happened and I can't help what you think of me. He's very tough, and he says that if anyone there has anything to say to him, to say it to his face. And they're all, like, ashen face, like, looking down. And then when he leaves, they all start tittering naturally because they're, I don't know, I can't imagine living in this community. This seems like anything that you do, you have a town hall meeting with the sheriff. The next day, when they arrive for their tests, uh, they are swarmed by cameras, and then when they finally get inside, they want to know if the test is actually going to be fair. And you know how this happens? They don't believe Psy, the lie detector guy. Obvious reasons. Because yeah. how do you detect lies on the guy who detect lies? Think about it. But uh, Mike sorts it all out. He looks the sheriff in the eye and says, I trust you. Is this going to be fair? And the sheriff's like, it is. And they settle it on a handshake. Yeah. Hey, well, what the fuck? Well, I trust you, Blake. Will you give us your word this test will be fair? That's easy. You got it. I guess this is to show um, how much importance on taking someone's word at its word yeah. is to Mike because no one is taking him on his word. So he's yeah. like showing them a kindness that they aren't showing to him. That's a good point. Uh, not a lawyer in sight, in fucking sight throughout this entire <laughs> movie, which... I don't know. But anyways, uh, they all get a, a polygraph montage of Psy marking their answers. Yeah. Some of them doing better than others at relaying the story accurately. They ask Mike stuff like, uh, did you do this to get out of your login contract? They're really grilling. Uh, what's his face? Dallas. Dallas about it. Oh, yeah. And he's giving every answer under the sun, which is not good. <laughs> When all is said and done and it's over, mm-hmm. they're waiting for the results. Excitedly, like Excitedly, puppies, waiting yeah. for food. <laughs> and what did we get? What did we get? Yeah, the cops say that there were some irregularities with one test and they'll need to all retake them tomorrow. And Mike flips out. Yeah, all we do is cooperate. We told you everything. That's all there <laughs> is. Did he have an accent? I, I like to think that he did just because did. of his mustache and goatee. <laughs> uh, but as they storm out, Dallas is the last one out. I, yeah, he didn't have a goatee. Uh, storms out. Dallas is the last one out, and he sort of gives the sheriff this like sheepish like yeah, this mm, cute little shrug. what can you do, kids? <laughs> like oh, so good. And then after they leave, we learn that four of them were confirmed to be telling the truth by the test. Mm-hmm. 
and Dallas's was too all over the place that it was unreadable. Yeah, like Shakira's hips. The machine don't lie. That evening, Mike is at home with his sleeping kids Mm -hmm. and his wife asks if he's planning on staying the night when she comes downstairs because he's still sleeping at the hotel. And he's like, yeah, I I think I might. And she's like, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you're... I recognized her the whole time. Yeah, me too. For she looks so different in this than what I remember her from. She's in Witchboard. She's like the kooky psychic. Oh, Zarabek. Nice. <laughs> I knew it wasn't, but she reminded me of the French uh, spy in Atomic Blonde. The female French spy. Yeah, Sophia yeah. Butella. In the face a little bit. Not at all. Okay. She answers the phone and she just hangs it up because it started ringing. So she explains that they're getting like a constant prank calls mm-hmm. all of the time. And then the phone starts ringing again. And this time Mike answers. Let me and get that. it's a collect call and he accepts the charges. Because it's from Travis. Travis. Yeah, who is this? Just hang up the phone. I'll accept it. Mike. Travis. Help me. He just says, Mike. Help me. I guess he tells Mike where he is, though, and uh, they all set out to go get him at a gas station in a nearby town. Yeah. They try one first, but it's empty, and Mike... Refuses to give up. He knows that there's another gas station. So and everyone's like, this is just a prank. Give up. But he doesn't give up. They go to this other gas station and they don't spot him at first, but then uh, his girlfriend spots him cowering by an ice dispenser. Yeah, he. it's heavily rain. It's pouring rain. He's nude and uh, he cannot be touched. Travis? Travis, Travis, it's us. Hey, man. Travis, what's wrong? Hey, Travis, it's Mike. Hey, it's your partner. You remember me? Travis, your partner. MT Motors. Harley's. You cold, man? Take it easy, bro. Take it easy. Don't try to talk, man. Travis. Water, water. Somebody get him some water. Hey, man, it's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be all right, Travis. He's had a definitely had a trauma. Yeah. And uh, he finally is able to ask for water. Yeah. They they take him to the all red restroom. It was like blood <laughs> blood red on the walls, very creepy, and he's like suckling from the teat of the tap directly from the source, hungrily, greed, like an animal. It's great. Very good acting at this point. Jarvis uh, Powell from afar mm-hmm. shows up with a pal in tow and they start photographing him and asking Travis questions about what happened. They're asking him what the aliens look like, what they did to him. He's sitting on the toilet, gray, barely like he's obviously in shock and out of it, wrapped in a blanket. And then there's some lightning in the background. He looks through the window and he has a 
flashback mm-hmm. as everyone else in the everyone else there's like notable fingerprints on the outside yeah. of the window too and he touches the the same spot and then he has the flashback with the lightning mm-hmm. he begins to start remembering what happened to him uh they rush him to the hospital and the whole time he's getting wheeled towards the uh exam room mm-hmm. he's having flashbacks to being in the alien ship like we're as we're going yeah. down the halls, we're going down the corridors. Like the doctor's heads get replaced by the aliens' heads, and he's got these like little pink marks on the sides of his eyes, very precisely. <laughs> what's everything. real? What's fantasy? Nobody knows. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, once this montage is over, he's all alone. It's nighttime. It's raining again. Like it must do all the time in Arizona, <laughs> and uh, he's all alone on the ward basically comatose and and dead like for all intents and purposes mike sneaks in to talk to him and he's catching uh travis up on everything that's been going on the past couple days he's just talking to him like a friend yeah would be to like excitedly catch up with their friend who's missing for five days they thought we killed you (laughs) and like he's clearly having none of it like he's not in a good place Come on, Mike. Whatever. Uh, and Mike mentions that uh, they left him, and then that Mike came back for him. You left me there. Well, come on, Travis. I mean, what did you expect me to do? I came right back for you. None of this would have happened. No one is allowed in here. Yeah, I was just leaving. Mike storms off. And it's definitely Travis who's at fault here, but I mean you can't really blame him for not Yeah, for wanting to blame moment. for wanting to blame anyone else for the horror that he's gone through. Yeah, like he definitely should not have gotten out of the, the truck. That's no. all on him. When he's leaving the hospital, the his doctor is really like laying on the niceness, and it's so aggressive that she's trying to like insinuate in this like herself in this guy's life. I don't know. I thought it was very sincere. <laughs> like she was like, I can. She was like, I can tell that there's something deeply, deeply wrong. Like I thought she was a psychiatrist or something. <laughs> I think she is. I think yeah. it's sort of like. A little bit of A, a little bit of B. She's like, there's something deeply wrong with you by the way that you're presenting. You haven't even said a word to me. If you need anything, please know that it's totally fine to come back. (laughs) I don't know. Like, don't force your friendship on me, lady. Yeah, but like, she's trying to open the door. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, And they get... They're immediately mobbed by reporters who are shouting at him, tell us the truth, what really happened? Mm -hmm. Do-do-do-do-do-do. not not the best environment definitely not he and his wife uh, head to the market because she's got to pick a couple things up and while he's waiting in the car a group of children come up and ask for his autograph and immediately after he does the uh, lieutenant waters shows up autograph you've become quite the celebrity you enjoying it The word is that tabloids are 
put up quite a hunk of cash for your story rights. Hit the big time. Congratulations. And sees him doing this and is like, oh, giving autographs. You enjoy that? Because he's trying to, like, catch Travis and yeah. admitting that he's doing this for fame. And, like, hey, fuckface, you probably served in some war, given what year it is. You don't notice that this guy is clearly very unwell. He's like all crouched to the side of the door. His face looks just as fucked up as it did before. When like, Dana shows up with whatever she was getting, mm-hmm. uh, he pieces out and leaves Travis alone. And then uh, they go off to Travis's surprise party slash like which is such an unfair thing to do like every the whole town is there pretty much and they're all like gathering around him and this is a lot to overwhelm someone with who just went through something I think they were missing for five days I don't get it I don't understand it and he didn't have food or water for five days and like clearly if he can't be touched and he can't be talked to at the like right at the moment, something really like <laughs> give him some fucking space. <laughs> well, he starts having more flashbacks, yeah. and uh, then it's a little while later, and Dana notices that he's absent from the celebrations. I wonder why. So she uh, goes to find him, mm-hmm. and she ends up finding him under the kitchen table. He's knocked over a bottle of syrup yeah. on the top, too, which as, is glugging out. As it glugs out and gushes down the table, it spills onto his face, and this triggers his flashback. Yeah. And we get, for the first time, what happened yeah. to Travis. Shouldn't have spilled his memory syrup <laughs> really bad. So he wakes up in what is like... A gooey pod. Yeah, like an organic organic like those tokyo sleep pod hotels it's just the bed but it's like got billowy membranes and like this crumbly goo that he's sitting in he starts pushing on the fleshy balloon sides Mm -hmm. and there's like circuitry on the outside he breaks through and then he rolls over to find that he's in this like huge area like an atrium yeah with the light at the top or the bottom And then there's some more pods, and he falls out of his pod, and he is able to grab this, like, umbilical cord Mm -hmm. thing. And this whole scene has, like, some pretty intense birth imagery. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of Kind of like gravity. Or in the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, when he's getting, Keanu's getting born. Oh, true, true, true. But I noticed the gravity thing where he's, like, floating like (laughs) a, but he's, so there's zero gravity, and he's floating around. And then he gets flung into another one of the pods, and inside there's like a half-rotted man. Yeah. Or half-digested? I don't know. It's no one knows. It's unclear. He's very slimy and dead. Uh, and then Travis pushes off mm-hmm. from there, and he goes climbing. He goes up, up, up through various different colors of goo. It's all very organic, and... like they grew the ship. And then gravity uh, switches direction, mm-hmm. but he still keeps going... Until he sees, like, dust going in a different direction and light. Like it's breathing. And it leads down into a space suit room. Yeah, where there's, like, the traditional gray alien, big yeah. big black eyes. I like that. I thought that was yeah. kind of a nice touch. Me too. And, like, he, that's on the outside of the suits. But you look inside and it's, like, this black organic mm-hmm. goo. And while he's looking in there, uh, he realizes that 
Well, he doesn't realize. When a, an alien wearing a spacesuit mm-hmm. comes up behind him and touches his shoulder. He ends up going shoulder. down there because he drops his keys. Oh, yeah. His <laughs> snowflake keys. His snowflake keys, because that's the name of the town. Yeah. Which is, and it's a moot point because the aliens, they don't give him any of his shit back. He's found naked. So <laughs> it's like, oh, it sucks. But I, I guess at the time, it would really suck to like go back home and then you don't have the keys to your sweet whip. He reacts pretty quickly to being tapped from behind by the alien, and he kicks him in the face. Yeah, and knocks his little mask off. And then uh, reveals there's a humanoid, fleshy-looking alien beneath the... Yeah, it's like if a thumb or a toe had eyes and you cut a little mouth in it. Yeah, Yeah. weird. He tries to make a break for it, um, but as he's running away... Mm-hmm. He's grabbed by the foot and then dragged out of the tunnel that he was in, and he's sort of like two burlier-looking aliens dragging him through this tunnel. And as he's being dragged, there is floating human objects, glasses and shoes and stuff. So it's sort of like, uh oh, other people have been dragged down here before and lost shit. There's a lot of holes in this corridor, and they actively don't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it just seems like a very inefficient design on the whole. You'd think geometry would be the same everywhere. It really reminds me of um, this place I would go when I was a kid called Wiggles and Giggles, which was essentially like a McDonald's play place. Okay. Like, it reminded me of those, like, slides that have the holes in them. Oh, yeah, like the tubes that you can crawl through. Yeah. Whereas, like, the connect tubes, but big. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Anyway, that's what it reminded me of. And they slap him on top of a big old slab and then violently rip all of his clothes off and his jewelry. Mm -hmm. He gets pinned down and they cover him with a sheet. Yeah. Mist starts falling. And it hermetically seals him painfully to the table because he's screaming the entire time back seals his body and his face yeah and then one of the aliens cuts uh, a hole in his eye Mm -hmm. and a mouth hole so he can see with one eye breathe through his mouth and and scream 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 (laughs) then they shove this really gross amber colored goo yeah down his throat and then some sort of like throat contraption yeah and then they shove another thing into his ear and finally, they put one over his exposed eye, and this white goo starts Ooh. oozing out of it and covers Travis's eyeball. Uh, and then we see a red light slowly start to descend from the ceiling, and it connects itself to the things that the aliens have shoved inside of Travis. It like plugs into him. And then a needle starts slowly getting closer and closer to him. To his, his eye. eye and we he looks terrified and well he and he's screaming like bloody murder like actually very good scream acting and then uh it reminded me a lot of the the movie dead ringers with the i twin, don't think i've ever seen that one there's twin gynecologists and they design a bunch of organic looking speculums and other tools as part of the movie and it's like the the thing that was holding his eye and the organic spider that was coming down it reminded me a lot of them and it was like i don't know it was very scary 
Well, I'll have to maybe give that a try then. I don't know. I've just yeah. never... Eh, it's a I drama. don't even think I've read about the plot. I've just... It's anyway. Dunk gynecologist <laughs> drama. My point is that, like, the face, him screaming, and it shows him from above is legitimately very frightening to me. And I don't like it. <laughs> he wakes up, though, and he's now at the doctor's office, and everyone is there, mm-hmm. gathered around him again. Let this guy fucking breathe. But... Uh, the lieutenant really still isn't buying any of it, and he's very insistent to the sheriff that it's he thinks it's a well-orchestrated hoax. Yeah. He... But the, sh- the sheriff seems to believe the guys, and um, they say goodbye yeah. to each other. They'll slip up one day, and then I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, the lieutenant vows to uh, find the truth one day. Never seen from again. And then he drives <laughs> off. And we cut to a few years later, mm-hmm. we see a pregnant Dana making breakfast. And uh, we meet their first child, who's probably like two years old now. Whose name is? Michael. Uh, Travis gets in his car and he heads off to work. But as he's driving, he sees something. It's an ad for Harley Davidson. Yeah. Reminds him of his dear old pal, Mike. Mikael. And, like, he's a, he seems to have totally recovered from this. Yeah. Like, he's living domestic bliss. He's got a house. He's got a fucking station wagon. No more. No more, no more motorbike. Yeah. He turns right back around and goes to see Mike at his weird forest house. Yeah. Cabin in the woods. <laughs> and uh, when Mike comes outside, he now has much longer hair and a mustache. He looks very old. Like a beard. He looks like Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, it's so bad. They square off, and then they finally decide to uh, talk, despite Mike being very resistant. And uh, they sort of make some amends, and Mike agrees to go for a ride with Travis. Mm-hmm. So the two of them get in his car, and they drive out back to the spot where Travis was abducted two and a half years earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's really a scene of Travis confronting his fears it's sort of where their friendship all went wrong. Yeah. Mike yeah. sort of confronting his yeah, guilt too. <laughs> Travis says that he hasn't had a good night's sleep since he and Mike had that fight at the hospital. It's all very romantic. Mm-hmm. Like very. <laughs> yeah. It's like just kiss already. And like Travis looks sort of like uh, a young uh, uh, fucking. The guy from Community, the old guy, Pierce. Chevy Chase? Chevy Chase. He looks like a young Chevy Chase in those like Christmas vacation movies. Yeah, a little bit. I can and, see like, that for sure. And, and with like Billy Ray Cyrus, it's very jarring to see. It's but it's Mike good. didn't even know that Travis had kids, and mm-hmm. then Travis reveals that he named his son Michael. <gasps> Gasp. And then they sort of like forgive each Again, other. Again, very romantic. Begrudgingly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both of them apologize to each other. Tears well in Mike's eyes. Now let's go before they come back. I don't think they'll come back. I won't, I don't think they like me. <laughs> and then they 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 fucking peel out in his little blue station wagon. Male friendship triumphs once again. The end. Yeah, even though clearly Mike's toxic masculinity prevented him from fucking talking about any of this shit. He just decided to live in the woods alone instead. <laughs> oh my gosh, exactly. And then we get this BS 
credit scene where it's like here's here's what happened they all lived happily ever after and they all did the uh, polygraph test those. but i think they were they were pretty popular at that time oh yeah so. you needed them you needed them i like the mystery of like where are they gonna go from here you know bright i can fill in my own bright future i don't need to hear about these shitty kids whatever <laughs> who cares yeah basically they just all had a lot of kids and their lives were wonderfully better for it or something so before i tell you about the real life story of travis walton uh we'll do our six degrees of jamie lee it's a quick one Mm -hmm. um so db sweeney who plays travis was in the darwin awards in 2006 with an actor named sergio cato (laughs) who was in true lies with jamie lee curtis i wonder who sergio cato was (laughs) But I don't want to look it up. I'd prefer the mystery. <laughs> so, are you ready to hear the quote-unquote true story? But maybe you'll jump to your own conclusion. This is probably going to scare the shit out of me even more than the movie. <laughs> so, the story of Travis Walton begins on November 5th, 1975. He was 22 and he was working with a lumbering crew run by Mike Rogers near Snowflake, Arizona in the Apache Stitgreaves National Forest. Just after 6 p.m., the crew, uh, composed of Ken Peterson, John Goulet, Steve Pierce, Alan Dallas, and Dwayne Smith, finished their work for the day, and they were all in Rogers' truck for the drive back to Snowflake. Shortly after beginning the drive, they saw a bright light from behind a hill, And they drove closer to it, and that's when they saw a large, bright silver disc hovering above the clearing. They said it was about 8 feet high and 20 feet in diameter. Mike Rogers stopped his truck, and Travis Walton leapt out and ran towards the disc. The rest were, just like the movie, shouting for him uh, to come back. Yeah. They reported that Walton was nearly below the object when the disc started making a loud turbine sound and began wobbling from side to side. Walton began to walk away, but just after he moved away from the disc, the men in the truck say that they saw a beam of blue-green light come from the craft and strike Walton. He then rose a foot into the air with his limbs outstretched and then shot back 10 feet. His shoulder hit the ground and he sprawled out limp. They were scared. They thought Mm -hmm. he was dead, and uh, they left. At 7.30, Ken Peterson called the police from Heber, a town near Snowflake, and Deputy Sheriff Ellison answered and met with the men um, at a shopping center. Mm -hmm. Uh, They initially only reported on the phone call that one of their crew was missing, And when the sheriff arrived to the shopping center, that's when they told him what had happened. Two of them were allegedly in tears, and the deputy sheriff was skeptical of the account, but he would later say that if they were acting, they were awfully good at it. That's so scary. The deputy notified the sheriff, who then arrived with another officer, and they all interviewed the men. Mike Rogers insisted that they return to the scene and search for Travis, but he wanted to use tracking dogs, however none were available. The police and some of the crew returned to the scene, and law enforcement became suspicious because there was no physical evidence. The volunteers and police searched the area, but they found absolutely no trace of Travis Walton, 
And they were worried because Walton was only wearing jeans, a t-shirt, and a denim jacket. And it's November and it gets cold in the mountains. By the next afternoon, the police were using helicopters, officers on horses, and jeeps to search uh, the forest. But they didn't find any trace of Walton. And by November 8th, word of his abduction had spread internationally. And there were reporters, UFOologists, and other just like curious people all traveling to Snowflake. One of the investigators was Fred Sylvanus, who interviewed Mike Rogers and Travis's brother Dwayne, where Dwayne reported that he and Travis were interested in UFOs and that Dwayne had witnessed a similar UFO about 12 years earlier. Mm-hmm. And he and Travis agreed that because of the uh, rarity of it, If they got the chance again, they would try and get as close as possible to any future UFO that they may come in contact with. What are the odds? (laughs) Mike Rogers said that because of the disappearances or disappearance, he would be unable to complete his contract that he had with the Forest Service. And he hoped that the search uh, would mitigate that situation. Mm -hmm. He also spoke. Or Dwayne also spoke with uh, a guy named William Spaulding, who is another UFO guy. I think uh, the guy that, uh, what was his name? Jarvis yeah, was Jarvis. based off of in the, in the movie. So he suggested that if Travis return, he should save his first urination and <laughs> they will be like happy to test him. Yeah, he just wants to drink it. So this interview um, with Fred Sylvanus uh, led one of the town marshals of Snowflake named, and get ready for this, Mm -hmm. Sanford Flake. (laughs) So he claimed that the entire thing was a prank that Dwayne and Travis had set up together, and he theorized that they fooled the rest of the crew by lighting a balloon and releasing it. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> even his own wife said that that was just as far-fetched as an actual alien abduction. His initials are S. Flake, and he's investigating in Snowflake. Yes. He's a town marshal of Snowflake. God damn it. <laughs> so, uh, two days later, on November 10th, uh, all of the crew took a polygraph test. Questions included if any of them had caused harm to Walton or knew who had, if they knew where his body was buried, and if they told the truth about seeing a UFO. Cy Gilson, the guy who administered the test, concluded that the men were truthful, noting that the test proved that the five men did see some sort of object that they believed to be a UFO, and that Walton was not injured or murdered by them. Following the test, the sheriff said that he accepted the ufo story shit the following day five days after going missing travis walton returned and called his parents from a payphone uh, and that he was then found in a dazed condition the family did not notify the police of travis's return and his brother Dwayne, remembering the offer of a medical exam from the urine guy mm-hmm. uh drove Travis to Phoenix, Arizona to meet with Spalding. Uh, 
and they met with his doctor companion Mm -hmm. named Lester Stewart. The Waltons reported that they were disappointed to learn that the doctor that this guy had set them up with was not a medical doctor. (laughs) Gasp. He was actually a hypnotherapist. And uh, so the two of them reported that they stayed with the brothers for over two hours. However, the Waltons claimed that they were there for 45 minutes tops. Hmm. Uh, That afternoon, uh, Travis's return had already leaked to the press and calls started rolling in. One of them was from... Coral Lorenzen of APRO, kind of like a bar, mm-hmm. uh, which is a UFO research group. And like Spalding, she promised Dwayne Walton that she could arrange an exam by two medical doctors at the Walton home, and he agreed. However, after the phone call with the Waltons, uh, Coral Lorenzen received a phone call from the National, National Enquirer who promised that they would finance the investigation in exchange for APRO's cooperation as well as access to the Waltons. She agreed. That afternoon, the medical exam began on Travis Walton, and it was determined that he was essentially in good health, but they did note two unusual features. There was a small red spot at the crease of Walton's right elbow that was consistent with hypodermic needles, though it was not close to a vein, and analysis of his urine revealed that he had a lack of ketones Hmm. so given that he had been gone for five days and claimed that he did not have access to food or water uh and he had lost weight so that like lent itself Mm -hmm. to that as well Mm -hmm. um but if that were the case his body should have begun breaking down the fats which would result in a very high level of ketones in his acidosis or whatever it's called oh true i didn't even think about that so this brings us to Travis's account of what happened to him. Oh, good. So he reported that after approaching the UFO near the worksite, the last thing he remembered was being struck by a beam of light. When he woke, Walton said he was on a reclined bed. A bright line shone above him, and the air was heavy and wet. He was in pain and had some trouble breathing, but his first thought was that he was not in a normal hospital. Oh, was that he was in a normal hospital. Sorry, two different things. Uh, As his faculties returned, Walton said he realized he was surrounded by three figures, each wearing a sort of orange jumpsuit. The figures weren't human, and he described them as being typical of the so-called greys, which feature in like a Mm. lot of abduction accounts. So shorter than five feet, they had bald heads, no hair. I guess that's kind of redundant. Their heads were domed, very large, and they looked like fetuses. They had large eyes, enormous eyes, that stared right through me. Ooh, no thanks. Their ears, noses, and mouths seemed really small, but that may have just been because their eyes were so huge. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if they had, like, just really small, normal (laughs) human features? Yeah, ooh. But the same... Tiny butt. Little bits. Yeah, little bits. Million eyes. So, naturally... Travis feared for his safety, and he got to his feet and shouted at the creatures to stay away. He grabbed a glass-like cylinder from a nearby shelf and tried to break its tip in order to create a makeshift knife. But he found the object to be unbreakable, so instead he waved it at the creatures as a weapon. (laughs) The trio left, uh, and 
he was alone in the room. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Bachelor pad. Um, so people have obviously mm-hmm. called a little bit of doubt onto that part of the story because like despite his weakened condition, his aching body and splitting pain for which there's like no cause mm-hmm. that he could he could give. He had no trouble like jumping up from the table and threatening these guys right away. Hey, who knows? Adrenaline's a crazy thing. <laughs> After they left, Travis left the exam room via a hallway, which led him to a spherical room with only a high-backed chair placed in the center. Uh, he was afraid there might be someone seated in the chair. He says he walked towards it, and as he did, lights began to appear in the room. The chair was empty, so he says he sat in it, and when he did, the room was filled with lights similar to stars projected on a round planetarium oh, ceiling. Nice. <clears throat> so that's nice of them yeah. <laughs> to have there for him. The chair was equipped with a single short thick lever with an oddly shaped molded handle atop some dark brown material. On the right arm, there was an illuminated lime green screen about five inches square with black lines intersected at all angles. When Travis pushed the lever, he reported that the stars rotated around him slowly, and when he released the lever, the stars remained at their new position. He decided to stop manipulating the lever since he had no idea what it might do. Yeah, (laughs) probably for the best. He left the chair and the stars disappeared. He thought he had seen a rectangular outline on the rounded wall, perhaps a door, so he went to go look for that. At that very moment, he heard a sound behind him, and he turned, expecting more of the short, large-eyed creatures, but was pleasantly surprised to see a tall human figure wearing blue coveralls with a glassy helmet. At the time, he said he didn't realize how odd the man's light like his eyes were okay i guess um so they were larger than normal and a bright gold color oh dear he says that he then asked the man a number of questions but the man only grinned and motioned for travis to follow him he also said that because of the man's helmet he might have been unable to hear him so he followed the man down a hallway which led to a door and a steep ramp down to a large room he described as similar to an aircraft hangar He says he realized he had just left a disc-shaped craft similar to the one that he'd seen in the forest prior to being Uh struck by the light. But it was maybe two times as big. In the hangar room, he reported seeing other disc... like like, He was basically in a hangar, he says, with other ships and everything beside it. Nice. Uh, So they led him to another room that contained three more humans, a man, or two men and one woman, and they all resembled the helmeted man. They did not wear helmets, so he says he began asking questions of them, and they responded with the same dull grin and led him by his arm to a small table. Once he was seated on the table, he says he realized the woman held a device like an oxygen mask, which he placed on his face, and before he could fight back, he says he passed out. When he woke again... He was outside of a gas station in Heber, Arizona, and one of the disc-shaped crafts was hovering just above the highway. After a moment, the craft shot away, and Walton stumbled to the telephones and called his brother-in-law, Grant Neff. He had thought only a couple hours had passed. Ooh, dear. 
That's so scary. Yeah. After hearing the story, Sheriff Gillespie theorized that Walton may have been hit on the head, drugged, and taken to a normal hospital where he confused the details for something more spectacular. However, the exam found no trace of head trauma or drugs in his system. He volunteered to take a polygraph, a truth serum, or undergo hypnosis to support his claims, and the sheriff agreed on a polygraph uh, and promised that it would be a secret one in order to avoid the media. Mm. Clandestine polygraph. Yeah. I like it. After this, his brother Dwayne and Travis met with APRO's consultant, uh, James Harder. So that's uh, the second ufo person ah. the one who uh, contacted the national Enquirer. this is like their team oh good so he hypnotized walton and found that travis's conscious recall and unconscious memory were the same and only two hours could be accounted for out of the five days that he was missing and there was an impenetrable mental block and he claimed <laughs> he would die if the regression continued oh no that's <laughs> hmm interesting so the polygraph that our sheriff um, had promised to be secret ended up getting leaked to the press. The sheriff maintains that he did not contact the press. Mm-hmm. So entirely possible and probable that one of the Waltons, who were the other people who knew yeah, about it, contacted true, the press. True. Um, because after it was leaked to the press, Dwayne Walton canceled uh, the polygraph. And then this is when the National Enquirer comes in Mm -hmm. and they offered a polygraph to the Waltons as well. And they agreed to that. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder why. Uh, However, Dwayne insisted that the Waltons should have the power to veto any public disclosure of the results. Double. Hmm. Yeah. So before the the exam began, Travis made two admissions, that he'd smoked marijuana a few times and that he and Mike Rogers' younger brother had committed check fraud a few years earlier (laughs) by altering payroll checks. Why? I don't know. The results of the exam are, of course, controversial. Uh, The guy who administered them, John McCarthy, uh, he says that Walton failed the polygraph and tried to cheat by holding his breath. Mm. And then... The Waltons say that McCarthy behaved unprofessionally. He kissed them before the test. Yeah, McCarthy determined that Walton was lying in order to perpetuate a uh, UFO hoax. The Waltons, APRO, and the Inquirer agreed to keep the results secret. (laughs) But eight months later, uh, the decision to keep that secret was made public. And uh, Walton would later take and pass two more polygraphs. However, the results of the suppressed polygraph caused many who believed the story to become yeah, understandably, understandably skeptical. Um, Philip Kloss, a well-known UFO debunker, argues that there, that there was a strong financial motive involved with faking the, the hoax. Oh, yeah. Mike Rogers knew that he would be unable to complete the contract with the Forest Service and concocted a scene a scheme to utilize an act of God clause, which would dissolve the contract uh, without fault, which would make sense considering that uh, he re- like Travis returned yeah. the day after the sheriff accepted the UFO uh, story. Um, convenient. However, Mike Rogers never invoked the clause or even tried, and he had previously not been able to complete two other contracts, and it 
made no difference to wow, him that's in the sucks. past. Um, so there was also two weeks prior to the disappearance, and this is where the uh, like newspaper thing that the lieutenant finds in the movie comes into play with this. Um, there was a TV movie called The UFO Incident that aired on NBC about the abductions of Betty and Barney Hill. Ah, the famous, like, first... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Travis claims he never saw it. Mike Rogers acknowledges at least seeing parts of it. Yeah. I don't know. But that's regarded as one of, like, the... Interesting. Yeah, the the more logical things that happened. Like, they saw it on TV two weeks before they decided to to go ahead with this i mean mike already knew that well he knew travis because travis was friends with his brother travis marries his sister Mm -hmm. and uh so like he has a a history of committing fraud so maybe this would be someone to talk to that about oh true you know what no real conclusions have ever been like made in 1978, mm-hmm. Travis published The Walton Experience, which was the loose basis for Fire in the Sky. Like, there were obviously a lot of differences. Pretty loose, but I, I prefer Fire in the Sky version. Yeah, the, the writer Tracy Treme, who wrote the script, mm-hmm. uh, actually apologized afterwards because they made him change the abduction to make it, like, more Hollywoody. Ah. Like, in the experiments and everything. Okay. Yeah. But uh, he still lives in Snowflake. He became a foreman at a lumber mill and has several children with uh, his wife. And he still appears from time to time at like con- conventions yeah, and to take the occasional polygraph. Like all of the guys took a polygraph ahead of the movie coming mm-hmm. out in 1993, and they all passed. Wow, what a great stunt! Yeah. The most recent one, he did it on a TV show. Like, he appears on lots of those, like, travel channel, like, ghost things and stuff mm-hmm. to tell the story. But he did one on um, TV in 2009, and he failed it. <laughs> I'm surprised. Like, you tell that story all the time. Yeah. And his defense of that is, well, they're only accurate 97% of the time. Yeah. Which is, like... That works for and against you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like the other thing is that's for each question. It's ninety. It's ninety-seven percent for each question that they're accurate, not for the entire one-off test. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was that's the true story of Travis Walton. What do you? What are your thoughts after hearing that? There is a lot of detail about it out there. So if you're interested, definitely um, dip into it. Yeah. But I only have so much time, and I didn't want to uh, spend a week researching. So. Hey, man, that's fine. Yeah. I, our intrepid viewers will... Uh... But it seems like one of those very difficult things to call, right? Like, I I don't really know where I stand on aliens personally, mm-hmm. but um, it does definitely seem like for every... Like, it's like a ping-pong match in this. Oh, yeah. Like, people, logical people are like, well this is probably why you did it. But then on the other side, it's like, well, I never did any of that anyway. Yeah, definitely. And like, I don't know. You never know what some government's testing. Maybe, and if they had UFOs by then, what do you think they have now? And I mean, regardless of all of the legal trouble and stuff, and 
what may or may not have been the initial motivation if you were faking something like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just watched a movie that was made based on it, so sold the movie rights at some point. This guy probably has a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The, the movie itself, my opinion of it... I think they did a better job of conveying a spooky alien story than, yes. than the actual story. So I think yes. I like their creative liberties that they took. Um, I think that the movie was a solid seven. Oh, I would say it was like a six for me. I and like, really liked the beginning. Mm-hmm. I liked how scared they yeah. were. I and loved I liked it. the examination scene. Me too. It was almost like they showed too much though. Like I feel like we didn't really need to see the aliens. We could just see like their hands and stuff. Yeah, or like I wish. I almost wish he didn't see the suits, mm-hmm. but we still got him dragged through the thing. We still got to see the corpse. Yeah. Like I wish they did more. T- I wish they fucking took organs out of him or something. And it was oh, like an sure. extended. I feel like they showed way too much too when he was like wandering around the ship. Yeah, like it's it's still 1993, and I feel like when you show too much of something like that, you're really inviting. Like, mm-hmm. if we're spending too much time in an environment like that, we're going to start noticing the things that don't make sense in that yeah, environment or, like, true. the things that don't look great. But the medical exam is genuinely horrific. Yeah, it's very scary. Horrific, horrific, very scary. And I'll give the actor that plays Travis the abduction scenes and the post like are the uh the medical scenes while he's on the ship and then the the post abduction scenes where he's very unwell Screaming, yeah <laughs> were extremely well done Definitely. yeah extremely well done so i don't know i'm conflicted it scares the shit out of me but i don't like the atticus finch moments yeah Ab- above average but not great nice to look at it sometimes mm-hmm. at some points but anyway so that was episode 22. Holy shit. I know. It's almost half a year. Yeah, man. Thank Amazing. you so much for listening. Thank you, honestly. Uh, seriously. We don't know what we're going to do next time. We, we never we, do, and I love it. Yeah, no. Because we like we did this one this week, and it's one of your fears, I thought we would do arachnophobia soon. Yeah, because you have a genetic yeah, predisposition to Yeah, I'm going to scream like a little bitch, but... <laughs> I feel like that would be funny. So we, <laughs> we'll probably we'll we'll probably do that at some point in oh, the definitely. next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do for the next one. Who cares? Who uh, cares? You want to talk about our social media? Yeah, uh, so first you can blood. follow us at Deaf First Blood on Twitter okay. at Definitely First Blood on Instagram, which is where most of the people who follow us hang out anyway. Yeah, and hello. Seems- and uh yeah so that's it thank you so much for listening thank you we appreciate it write a review if you feel so inclined yeah that'd be sweet uh and have a great weekend yeah goodbye we love you goodbye